I have a hundred thousand dollars a month that I do in, in, in recurring work, right? And on the first of the month, I know that I have a hundred thousand dollars. That's what you're valuing. A lot of bankers don't get it, right? They want, they want something that they can take when you screw up. This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PNP Industry Insider Podcast, where we look at what is changing in the industry and take it to the front lines to those that are driving those changes. As always, I'm Donnie Shelton, owner of Triangle Home Services, which has Triangle Pass and Triangle Lawn. And with me is my compadre in arms, Mr. Dan Gordon. Dan, would you like to tell everyone hello and our topic and our sponsor. And I, I can't tell you, you know, I'm sure that when people read the title of this, they're just going to be like, man, this is going to be an action packed episode. And uh, yeah, so let's get it going from there. Yeah, this is going to be, um, you, you just put on your seatbelts for this one. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, Dan Gordon from PCO Bookkeepers. We do outsourced accounting um, and uh, MA services. And um, this episode is sponsored by Colmarch by Workwave. To learn more, go to colmarch.com. And so I am going to introduce the topic. And as I said, strap in. Today, we're going to talk about balance sheets. And uh, I feel like we need to like modulate that when you say like balance balance sheets sheets or something. Yes, yes, Yes. for sure. Yeah, maybe we can get the, uh, yeah. So (laughs) everything you wanted to know, but we're afraid to ask. And um, it, it's a big deal, right? Because, um, you know, uh, when you go for bank financing or, uh, uh, you know, other folks who are looking at your financials, it's important to look at the balance sheets because if the balance sheet's not right, the P&L's not right. But uh, let's dig in. Balance sheets are important because they provide a snapshot of a company's financial health at a specific time, showing its assets, liabilities, and equity. This information can be used to assess the company's liquidity, solvency, and overall financial stability. Additionally, balance sheets can be used to evaluate a company's performance over time by comparing to company historic info or other companies in our industry. They are also useful for investors, creditors, and other stakeholders when making decisions about the company and Donnie, why don't you ask me yeah. the first question I would imagine that well, before we get into that, as you yes. can imagine, I have opinions. So let's let's start there first. <laughs> this is very uh, scientific. There's no opinions. This is black and white stuff. But go ahead. Well, first of all, let's talk about let's talk about balance sheets in general. So, so I was joking and I said this is going to be action packed because no one wants to talk about a balance sheet. But I agree with you, right? I mean, it's probably. You know, there's there's a set of standard financial statements that you should always make sure that you have tight. Your PL is one of them, your balance sheet is another one. And then there's this nebulous thing called a statement of cash flows, which we're not going to get into in this episode. I don't know that I fully understand that statement completely at times. Most accountants don't. So. Yes. Yeah. But I will tell you that um, this is something that I often see neglected. The balance sheet doesn't happen automatically. If you do your PL properly, there's going to be loans, there's going to be, you know, interest payments, there's going to be principal payments. It's something that you kind of have to garden. Um, but it's absolutely correct. I mean, you're, you're, you know, when you when you introed the balance sheet, you know, one of the biggest things that people are wanting to look at is what's the health of the business, what's the liquidity, you know, what's the real deal, what's really happening when you look at a global perspective. And the balance sheet is is where you start there. So let's start with this, Dan, the accountant. Should I? 
should I call you Dan the accountant now? Dan the accountant, can you just start us off with this piece of a high level? This is a balance sheet, and this is why it's important. And, and I think a lot of people understand, but I will tell you truthfully, I was probably in business for five years before I really understood the balance sheet. And by the end of this episode, you and everyone else may still be convinced that I don't know what a balance sheet is, but I'm just saying that. <laughs> to clear, clearly. Clearly. When, when Donnie calls me up once a, once a year, can you clean up the balance sheet? Uh, like what? Where are all these assets? Lying? But just get rid of them. You know, they're like dangling. Yes, I do like cleaning. Yes, that is so true. We do have, I forgot about that, but yes. No, so, but I like, mean, he like wants to tidy everything up. Uh, yes. This is thing called clean books. I don't know. So let's get into that. Let's talk about, okay, this is a balance sheet and here's why it's important for you as an owner. Let's start there. So think of a balance sheet as what you have as opposed to a P&L, which is what you made, okay? A balance sheet is what you have over time. So it's a, it's a culmination of all the P&Ls, all the financing activity that you bring into your business and all the distributions that you take out of your business. So why is it important? So as I said before, banks, leasing companies, vendors, investors, um, you know, they use it for credit worthiness and they create these ratios um, to, uh, you know, uh, uh, judge how your company is doing or whether you're worthy of, uh, uh, of a loan or, or financing because they want to know if you can pay it back. Mm -hmm. So uh, it allows ownership to understand what resources that are available for expansion and those that are needed. So in other words, at the end of the year, you look at your balance sheet and you go, man, I had a great year and I got a bunch of uh, uh, cash left or accounts receivable or, you know, what's uh, there, there's equity left in my balance sheet. So, okay, let's move forward. Or, oh man, I had a horrible year and it reflects in my balance sheet. And uh, what do I need to do for next year as I, um, uh, you know, as I try to expand the company, or maybe, um, you know, sometimes the best offense is a good defense. Maybe it's time to get on defense. And especially if you believe that we're going into a recession and that's up for grabs right now. But uh, if, if you believe that, then, you know, you want to be uh, defensive. Well, let's, let's talk real quick. You know, when, when I think about a balance sheet, there, there's the obvious, which you alluded to earlier, Dan, which is a completely true and valid critique, which I will not deny, which is I do like a clean balance sheet. And I don't like a lot of detail. I know that's probably shocking to a ton of people, but I don't. I like my balance sheet to be clean and simple. But for me, when I think about a balance sheet, I really think about three things, right? What's my liquidity? What's the solvency of the business? And then how profitable are we? And they really are three different things. And, you know, I don't, Dan, you're going to know the financial terms. I don't know the financial terms. I just know that, you know, one of the, like, if I look at liquidity, right, it's basically the ability for me to turn assets into cash. Like if, you know, crap hits the fan, like you said, there's a big recession, all of a sudden I need cash. How quickly can I take assets in the business and turn them into cash? I will tell you for the pest control and even the lawn care industry, we're pretty fortunate in that you can dump trucks pretty quickly, but we don't have a ton of big assets, right? You might have a building or something, but usually that's in a different LLC, but it's not like a normal, I should say a normal, a, you know, a asset heavy firm. We, you know, all of our money is in cash, right? I mean, in terms of what we're turning over. So that's the first thing is, you know, liquidity, you know, how quickly can you turn assets into cash? And then the second ratios that I think are important is your solvency. And this is where, you get into, if you're going for a credit line, if you're going for a truck loan, 
you know, a business loan or whatever, it's, it's showing the ability for you to pay off your debts. This is so, one, this is one I really track. Go ahead. I was going to say yeah, this one so, I really track so, as a business. So you mentioned something interesting. So, um, you know, if the, if the, the, the poop hits the fan, uh, you can get out of things quickly. That's what makes the industry or, or our business model really good. However, that's what makes banks very nervous about our business. Oh gosh, there's nothing to take, right? It, they can take your trucks, but they already have. Uh, oh, loans on them, right. You're trying to get me so going this morning what, already. So what? So so what is it that they can take? And that's why you see when you go to the bank, a lot of, uh, especially noobs who come into the business, they're like, "Yeah, I want to go to the bank and get a loan." Well, okay, what? assets do you have to attach? Do you have any real estate? And if you do have real estate, and as Donnie said, uh, you know, if um, it's usually in a separate LLC, so maybe you could attach that or whatever. But uh, usually the balance sheet of a, even a large pest management firm is kind of small and makes Mm -hmm. banks nervous. But the the way that you can look at a balance sheet is um, that there's a, uh, there's a formula. It's, an, it's called an accounting firm formula. It's assets equals liabilities plus equity or assets minus liabilities equals um, equity, right? So, so what happens is, let's say that I buy a house for a half a million dollars and I put a $300,000 mortgage on it. So my assets are the half a million dollar house my mortgage or my liability is 300,000. That means I have 200,000 of equity in the house. As we develop this discussion, we'll go a little further with that example, but that's how you look at a balance sheet. On the left are your assets. On your right, there's two boxes. One are liabilities and one is equity. And so what is the makeup of a balance sheet? So within your assets, you have something called current assets. And that's your cash, cash equivalents. That's AR, inventory, prepaid expenses. Those are the things that you were talking about that you can turn quickly into to, uh, cash. Fixed assets are vehicles, buildings, equipment. But you say, okay, well, you got this equipment on the balance sheet. How do I expense it? Will you depreciate it? And it, you know, we won't get into depreciation rules, but you take a little bit each year, move it to your P&L, and then subtract it from the balance of um, you know, that asset. So you buy the truck for $20,000, you depreciate it over five years, year one, uh, straight line, you take $4,000. Um, for, so, did I say five years or four years? I can't keep the well, straight. Hang, hang on one second, because there's one thing I want to come back to before we move on. And I think it's that you, you started down this road and I uh, it just made my hair on the back of my neck go up because it just took me back to early days in the business. And I get so pissed off at bankers. Dan was 100% correct. When you go into a bank, this used to, oh my gosh, this would drive me crazy to no end. You know, you would go in. And like, for example, let's just say we needed money to do a marketing campaign back in the day when we were really, really heavy into digital and, and we still are, but you know, we would need cash and we would say, Hey, look, we, we've got a track record for the last 10 years. We're growing the business at 20%. I've got a formula here. And when I say formula, I'm talking about like a recipe where I know if I put X dollars in, this is how many leads I'm going to get. This is how many sales I'm going to get. And they would look at the balance sheet and say, yeah, we can't do that. But then I could go out like, and by the way, this would be at like, you know, 40%, like let's just say 40 cents on the dollar, you know, like let's just say my cost per sale was, you know, $40 or whatever. But then 
I could come back around and say, well, hey, I want to acquire a company at 3X. And they'd be like, yeah, that's great, man. Let's do it. <laughs> it would right. drive me freaking crazy. I'm like, what's wrong with you people? I could buy customers at, you know, 40 cents on the dollar and you say, no, it's too risky. But then I can go out and buy customers at, you know, 3X. And you're like, well, this is a great idea. And so, you know, my point to my point to the to the listeners here is this is that when you're looking at your balance sheet, find a banker who understands this, because oftentimes if you can find a banker who understands it right now, unfortunately, and people can get upset with me if you're in the banking industry, the vast majority of them, let me be careful how I say this. They let don't me, understand me, it. No, yeah, you're, let, you're let, absolutely right. Yeah, let me, let me say it differently. You need to find someone who understands what you're doing and who can look beyond a simple formula and who has the, who has, and this is why local banks are so good, who can look beyond a ratio and can like, doesn't have to go to three levels to get something approved that will never get approved. And so I know for me, I used to bank with a big bank. I don't have any problems with a big bank, but eventually what happened is, is that my, my, my person that I worked with retired, a new person came in this is the ratio. There's no negotiation. There's no thought process beyond it. And I'm just like, this does not work for us. We need to find someone who understands what's really happening here on the balance sheet and works with us. So that's my soapbox. Uh, There's more to go with it, but. it. So so not that I am on the side of bankers, but here's the, the rationale, right? So if you buy a company for 3X, you're buying an entity that is a known entity with customers and vehicles and employees and everything else. So you're buying that just like you're buying a building. But if I am going to give you money to invest in marketing, then I'm investing in your company. So I am not a venture capitalist. I'm not a PE firm. I am a bank and I do not want to invest in your marketing, which may or may not work. Now, there are certain people who you, like you said, like clockwork, who totally get it, understand it, can make it happen. But if I'm a banker, I'm still investing in a concept as opposed to buying something, uh, an asset. So that's the argument against. However, you're right with digital marketing, if you know what you're doing, and yes, it goes up each year, but it is a formula. There's no mm -hmm. question about it. You know? mm -hmm. And uh, if you understand it, then then and all you have to do is figure out how much money you need to, to borrow to make it happen. Well, the other thing here too, is that you as the owner, you're going to have to understand your balance sheet and you're going to have to be able to explain it, especially when it comes, because at the end of the day, you know, we love to think that bankers are super sharp and, and I don't know why I'm being negative on bankers here. I really am not. They're good folks. Right. But I'm just saying like, when you sit down to show them, and I mean, I get it, right? They probably look at, you know, I know not probably, they look at multiple, multiple businesses. And so your ability to sit down and explain to them, this is how my balance sheet works. This is where the money's going. This is, you know, that is going to be critical, especially tying what's on the balance sheet to your strategy and how it all comes together and works. And if you can show that and you have a track record of that, you have a much better, you know, you have a much better chance of getting, you know, a bigger line or whatever. But, but you know, coming back to, where I've started, which is, you know, liquidity, solvency, you know, solvency being where they can look at your ability to pay off your debts. And then the last one is profitability. There's ratios. I would say if you don't understand what those ratios are in your balance sheet, that's where you start. Like make sure you understand where they are, make sure that you can calculate what they are and then bring it back to your strategy so that when you go into a bank, 
um, when you sit down and you show your balance sheet to someone, you can tell a story, not a fairy tale, of course, but, (laughs) 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 but I mean, you know, you can say, look, this is, this is where the balance sheet's at. Yeah. Well, you could say, look, here's where my balance sheet is. Here's my liquidity. Here's my solvency. Here's my profit. And immediately the banker's going to know, okay, this person understands their numbers. They know what they're doing. And if you tie it back to your strategy and you have a track record of showing that, like showing that you can make the numbers, you have a much better chance of getting a favorable outcome, especially when it comes to, in the case of getting a massive credit line, which I think everyone should have now, um, just because of what we're dealing with as far as economic conditions, as well as, you know, capital to expand. So I'm off the outline so here that Dan and I put together. Let's let's bring it back to, yeah. to so balance sheet. Take a piece of paper, put it portrait, draw a line down the middle. Left yes. side assets, right side liabilities, owner's yes. equity, right? So two boxes on the right side, one box on the left side. So within those assets, you have your current assets, cash accounts, receivable inventory, prepaids. You have your fixed assets, vehicles, you know, equipment, buildings, but usually you should have that in a separate LLC and uh, accumulated depreciation. Then you have something called other assets. Other assets is basically everything else. One of them that we see quite often when we take on a new client is loans to shareholders. Loans to shareholders is a tricky one because a lot of accountants, so there's only in, in a S corp or an LLC, there's only so much money that you can distribute before it becomes taxable. So a lot of accountants, what they'll do, and this is a problem is it's a very short-term fix. What they'll do is instead of distributing the money to become taxable, they will lend you the owner of the money. Now, if I'm the IRS, I come in and go, why would this small company lend money to you? I mean, if you want to lend money to the company, that's one thing, but why would they? What that is, is that's disguised compensation. And almost always, unless you do it properly with a a full note that's getting paid back and a stated interest rate and and evidence that it's getting paid back, under audit, you will uh, lose that battle and they will say that it's compensation and taxable. So that's a a tricky one. I want to add something to this. So I will tell you that it's very difficult not to do this when you're smaller. Uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, in, in the, uh, with the risk of being called an IRS guy yet again, I'm going to say that I did use this Donnie strategy. Doesn't pay taxes. <laughs> He's a tax so, yes, of course, 100%. So when I was smaller, I actually had to do this, um, a couple of years and and much like what Dan said, I was pretty nervous when I did it and then I paid it off immediately. Um, but it, this is a difficult one not to do, especially if you're smaller and you do take distributions and you have a crappy year or for whatever reason, you know, your tax bill is super high. Um, but Ben Dan's correct. You're, you're playing with the snake. And, and if you end up doing this with distributions, um, I would not let it hang out on my balance sheet very long. I would come up with a strategy to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Yeah, so 100%. So some of the other assets are um, things that don't fall into the other categories like intercompanies. So that might be if you have two companies and or, uh, you know, you have real estate and another LLC. So you have an intercompany. 
now, but the but the one that I wanted to focus on a little bit are intangibles. So if you have a trademark, you know, or a uh, a copyright of your logo, something like that, right? So uh, that would sit on your balance sheet and can get amortized. But the other one is our customer lists. But you don't put your customer list on the balance sheet, and that's the biggest problem with bankers, right? Because you are building this massive company, right? You got this $10 million company and you started from zero. Well, nowhere on your balance sheet is reflected that $10 million unless you purchased another company and you did it with an asset deal. If you did that, then the intangible or the customer list of that company is on your balance sheet. So you got this $8 million company, you buy a $2 million company, you put $2 million as an intangible or customer list on your balance sheet. Hey, that's great. Now you've got 2 million of assets. What about the other 8 million? Well, that doesn't make it to the balance sheet because we record things at historic costs and you didn't buy that list, you developed it, right? So that's the big thing that bankers don't understand. We have clients who are 10, $15 million and their balance sheets basically show a couple hundred thousand dollars in equity and that's it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you know as well as I do that you can sell the company for you know multiples of revenue, mm-hmm. and so that's um, you know that that's the big uh, bugaboo for bankers that they can't get their arms around. And then what you say sometimes you see this intangible or customer list on the balance sheet. Well, if you do, that's because you've purchased a company, not because of the one you've developed. So now the that you have that left side of the the. Uh, paper. So you have current assets, fixed assets, and other assets. On the right side, on the top, the top box is going to be uh, liabilities. And just as you have current assets, you have current liabilities. That would be accounts payable, uh, other obligations that are due within a year. You have short-term loans, maybe taxes payable, credit cards, company credit cards payable. And so the reason that the current assets are very important is Donnie was talking about liquidity and solvency. One of the ratios, uh, most widely used ratios in banking is called the current ratio. And there are different offshoots of it. They have a quick test and an acid test. And um, so, so, but the current ratio or current um, is uh, current assets over current liability. What's that ratio? So let's say I have $10,000 of uh, cash and accounts receivable and $5,000 of accounts payable. That means that my current ratio is 10 over five or two. That's a good current ratio. That means that I can meet my obligations. But let's say it's the other way around. I have $5,000 of cash and um, and uh, accounts receivable and $10,000 of liabilities or accounts payable. That means my current ratio is one half. That means I can only pay half of the bills right now. And mm-hmm. that's not a good thing. So we want our current ratio to be over one. And again, there's quick ratios and acid tests, which is maybe just cash over accounts payable, well, ignoring all the other current assets. One thing I'll, I'll add to that too is you want it over one to make sure you can pay your bills. You're probably going to need like a 1.25, even maybe a one and a half if you yes. want to go get some money. Yeah, if you have an SBA loan, they usually mm-hmm. put in covenants and 1.25 interest coverage, things like that. But, but, but. The, the, the interesting thing about this is that because you're in a recurring 
revenue business, your current ratio doesn't have to be off the charts, right? If we were in manufacturing or retail, we would want our current ratio to be much, much higher. But the fact of the matter is we always know that money's coming in tomorrow because of the re recurring uh, nature of our business. So that current, and, and there's another thing that bankers don't understand. Oh my gosh, your current ratio in December is a 0.8. Well, we live in Michigan and there's three feet of snow in the spring. It's, it's going to come in a big way. And so that's, those are some of the things that, uh, you know, that bankers really, really don't understand. So, you know, let's, how many business owners do you know that actually track their quick ratio and their, you know, their basically their loan and well, not really their loan, but you know, they're, they're tracking these ratios on the, I know for me. I do like to look at, especially as we get larger, because it gets more and more difficult. I should say it gets more, there's a lot going on, right? And so I just want a quick way to know, like, how are we doing? Like big picture. How many folks do you know that actually track a quick ratio? So, so when we started this conversation, you had talked about balance sheets, P&Ls, and statements of cash flow. Our clients, and this is a selfless plug for PCO. <laughs> Go right ahead. <laughs> Our clients, we actually put a page on it, track it and graph it over time so that you can see how you're doing. It's extremely important. You may win the race, but if you're bankrupt because you can't pay your bills, you lost, right? And so that's, you, you can that's go exactly getting why, rich. That's yeah. exactly why I asked that question because it's very easy for as an owner. I know for me, you know, if you're growing fast to look at your PL, look at your growth rate and be like, man, we're killing it. And your PL is not showing loans, right? Your PO is not showing things that you're doing that's that's going to be long-term debt and it can get out of hand. And so a quick ratio is a good way to keep, make sure you don't run off the side of the road as you're speeding down, you know, whatever it is that you're chasing. So yeah, it's really important. So, yeah. So left side assets, right side, top quadrant are liabilities. Bottom quadrant are is equity. And remember, I buy the house for 500, I put 300 mortgage on it, I have 200 of equity. This is not to be confused with net worth. This is historic equity, right? Because uh, I said 500 house, 300 liability, 200 equity. What happens when that house, you don't sell it, but it appreciates to a million and a half dollars, like happened over the past few years? What happens to your balance sheet? absolutely nothing. However, yeah. what is the market value of that house? It's actually now one and a half million with the $300,000 mortgage on it. And now your um, net worth is 1.2 million, but your equity is still 200,000. Extremely important point that in accounting, we're conservative. We do not mark up things until we sell them. Uh, unless you're in certain industries like broker dealers, things like that, but you do not mark to market, right? A balance sheet is historic and it's that that equity number cannot be confused with net worth because you know well, things let me, go let me up and down you. in value. Okay. Hang on. So we're gonna we're gonna ask some questions on this one because this is yeah. critical. I'm Orkin. Okay. And For the Orkin man, did you I'm, see Donnie work out? He looks I, like the big muscles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm the Orkin man. And I've been in business for 50 some years. Is my balance sheet showing like, you know, what I looked like 50? I mean, there has to be a way to reconcile 
value, especially if it gets so out of whack, do you put that in the equity side or like how exactly well, so- do you account for it? I mean, because the reality of it is, is that value did go up and you need to somehow communicate that, right? It, it, it needs to tell that story. So how do you do that? So it's interesting, right? So yes, it's historic, but uh, Orkin uh, or Rollins has a very active balance sheet, right? They're constantly, you know, taking in money. They're, they've got customer deposits because they're, you know, uh, uh, you know, collecting termite renewals, and 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 so it's very active. But it's the same concept. So then you say, okay, well, let's look at Orkin's balance sheet. Let's take their assets minus their liabilities. That's the equity. But then you go to the stock market and say, what's the overall market cap of Rollins? Which because this is a great example because Rollins is priced, for, you know, like a, a software company. Rollins is one of the best darlings of Wall Street. They love them because they're just so predictable and they're such an, they, they run an awesome organization, but their um, market value, overall market value, if you add up all the, 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 the stock that they have and multiply it times the share price is way more than that equity. It just, they have, there's no correlation at all. So, yeah. So, so value doesn't come off the balance sheet in that case, the value comes out of market cap. What, what you will see on their balance sheet is, you know, they're pretty active in the M&A game, right? So when they buy a company, they put that that uh, intangible on their balance sheet. But so, their organic growth is not on the balance sheet. So let's take this to a small company then. How does a small company show value to, say, a banker? Let's just say you you have a $2 million company and you started from zero. Right. So your equity now is, let's just say it's a hundred grand, right? That's what you use to start the business. How do you show value to a banker on a statement at that point? How that, do you do that? That's that's the problem. It's mm. it's like it's it's not traditional accounting statements, right? So I would show them, okay, here's my profit, here's my gross margin, here's my profit margin, and here's the book of business. Your book of business is basically, you know, what is What's the value of your company? It's based off of the book of business. It's that monthly recurring work. So I have $100,000 a month that I do in, in, in recurring work, right? And on the first of the month, I know that I have $100,000. That's what you're valuing. A lot of bankers don't get it, right? They want, they want something that they can take when you screw up. So, so for our listeners, you, you're, you're going to experience an altar call right now, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's smiling because let me just tell you, I have struggled with what we're what we're talking about for so long, and it's frustrated me to no end. So I'm going to tell you what I do. Dan may cringe when I tell you this, but this is what I do. And bankers, yeah, I, I explain it, and I'm fully disclose it to bankers. But most of the time, when you go in for a loan, especially as an owner, <clears throat> they're going to look at your your company and they're going to say, "Well, that's great. Now give me your personal asset statement." <laughs> Because they're gonna right. want, they're gonna and want. So sort of, immediately, what, as soon as they see Donnie, because he's oh, a stop. Yeah, oh, billionaire no. so, with airline so what I do, and things like <laughs> that, they they write him a, loan, a check. <laughs> so what I do is on my personal balance sheet when I show the asset, I do make an adjustment annually. Now it's still a conservative estimate. I fully disclose to the bankers, hey, this entity, you know. So basically, they have all the statements, but. Basically, it's my way as a small business owner of showing value of that asset 
you know, because I know much like what Dan said. By the way, tomorrow. there's nothing wrong with what you're doing on a personal. Uh, exactly. Um, but my point to the listeners is, is that this is a way that you can show it because at the end of the day, the banker is going to ask for your personal stuff anyway. And so while you don't necessarily show it on the company, you know, balance sheet, you could absolutely show it on your personal balance sheet. Just don't be a dip and like overvalue the asset, right? Don't, I mean, cause at the end of the day, like you have to be able to justify that number. And so when I sit down annually with a banker, I'm like, okay, here's the business. Here's all the financials. Here's my personal balance sheet. Here's the value. And here's why I'm valuing that. Um, and you could even show some examples. I know, you know, a lot of M&A transactions, the, you know, the, the details are not disclosed, but I'm sure you could certainly call Dan and have him say, well, you can expect a range well, and use the low end. The, the the biggest um, you know deal that ever went off in the industry was uh, you know Terminex and Renekill, and that was all public information. Correct. By the time that deal went off, I think it was a two point six or two point seven. So you want to be conservative, you know. But again, yeah. that's a multiple of earnings, not a multiple of revenue. So if Correct. you're not making any money, your company's probably not worth a whole heck of a lot. <laughs> but uh, um, but 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 here's here's an interesting one. So everybody, if you listen to CNBC and all these business debt to equity, debt to equity, that means how much debt to that equity. So if you you know on the right side of the balance sheet, if you have two hundred thousand dollars of of liabilities, and then a hundred thousand of equity, your debt to equity ratio is two. That means nothing, remember, because it's it's the 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 uh, net worth of the company is not on there. What mm-hmm. I find extremely helpful is debt to assets, right? So I own a truck at $20,000 and I have a $12,000 loan on it. My debt to assets are 60%, meaning that the bank owns 60% of the asset. And that to me is so much more powerful in a uh, in a, in in a privately held company than debt to equity, so that's um, you know higher debt to equity shows us more and more risk, right? The more debt that you have to assets, um, that the higher risk from a banker's perspective uh, so, that you are. So a couple of things you can do here, if if and these are just for our listeners, just and these are some GWS things that I have learned over the years. Because what Dan has just said, it absolutely is correct. It's debt to assets. And I'm going to tell you, if you're using a program like Enterprise or some fleet management, it's very easy for you not to understand what's going on. You may have... That's by design. Those guys suck. Uh, well, here, here's what I will tell you. You you want to know this number and you want to pay attention because in, in our case, like Enterprise... We had a ton, and I do mean a ton of equity in our in our car line, meaning that you know we we were rolling trucks in and out. And you know, I always did three-year terms on our trucks. And so, you know, I never, you know, I would turn in, they would ask for a balance sheet once a year. I never had any questions of whenever I'd go to buy a truck. <laughs> it was actually this year. I looked at it in our I, I started digging, and I'm like, Holy crap, we have a ton of cash sitting in this, you know, sitting in this, basically this line and some of it we were not even using. And so my point to you is that you need to pay attention to your debt to assets, because especially if you're using something like enterprise and you're swapping out a lot of trucks, because for two reasons, number one, 
you could greatly improve your cash position. You could take cash out if you're over like we were. The other thing that you could do is you can do, you can change your terms. So if you're struggling paying your bills, if you're struggling not quite getting the ratio that you need to get a line, some tricks that you can do is you can go back to, and again, these are for folks who are using, I think vast majority of people are using fleet management, but go back to that and say, hey, look, we want to switch our terms from three to five years or whatever, and that's going to open up some more cash. So just some things to think about, you know, little things that you can do if you are struggling and some things to pay attention to, because, you know, Dan's correct. I mean, when you're looking at debt to assets, if, if for whatever reason, yeah, you got 50 trucks and you owe money on all 50, like that's a true, that's a hard liability to, to really think, you know what I mean? Like it, it's a totally yeah. different picture right. than if well, you have 50 trucks and you're only really, you know, you're only about 20% of it's actually financed. Yeah. One, one of the other things and we, we use this um, rarely, it's got to be the right company. But for example, we have clients who may have been sitting on a lump of cash. So they paid off all their vehicles or they bought a whole bunch of vehicles for cash, not realizing that they would go into a slow period uh, for seasonality or whatever. When we, we've done it probably twice in the past year is we've taken their fleet and sold it to enterprise or uh, another leasing company. And then they lease them back to us. So what mm-hmm. they're doing is they're getting a pile of cash um, and uh, you know, um, now they're, you know, it, it's almost like they're refinancing their house. Uh, so they're refinancing the vehicles. And I would say, you know, as always, and this has nothing to do with balance sheets. It has more to do with common sense. I'm the type of person I don't like debt. And I am one of those ones that what Dan just described, if I'm sitting in a lump of cash, I'm more tempted just to pay stuff off. Fight that urge. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> Fight. Hold that cash. You cash just, you is know, king. Yes, you just cash need to hold king. it and just like okay, you know, it's just an urge. And, and I'm, by the way, I'm I'm all about paying off debt, but it's just don't get rid of your cash. Every time I've right. done it, I've kicked myself. Usually, you know, a year down the road, like why did I do that? I should just hold the cash. So it's kind of funny because a year ago we were paying you know next to nothing for interest rates, and now they've really climbed up. I, I saw credit lines now at eight percent. Still, 8% is pretty cheap compared to what you can do with that money. If I borrow $100,000 and I don't know, I get uh, you know a certain number of leads and then that converts to a certain number of sales and that converts to you know revenue and that 8% is really nothing. I mean, 8% historically is not a horrible number, but in the context of the last 10 years, it is a horrible number, but it's, you know, we're, we're going to make it through, but uh, and, and cash would, is king. And the other thing I would say too, is that I would think the vast majority of our listeners, you know, you probably, if you're sitting on a note, a truck loan or a line or whatever, most likely you got that at a pretty decent rate. You if know you what I mean? Buy it in the last six months. In the yeah. Last six months, yeah. It's gotten pretty ugly. Exactly. So then what that means is, is that, I, you know, it's really, it's it really, do, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It doesn't make Don't sense. Don't pay to, it back. Right. Yeah. Cause if you have to draw it again, you're going to pay quite a bit more interest. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Dan, anything else to, to, as far as the, the balance sheet that you want to share before we finish out here, I got a couple of closing thoughts and then. I think that's it. I think uh, so assets equals liabilities plus equity or equity equals assets minus liabilities. We, 
I do have to admit that my hair is blown back and it's just been a wild ride as, as promised, you know, my yes, seatbelt. You look like Jimmy Neutron. I think yeah. I knew that. But go ahead. <laughs> Here's, here are my parting thoughts for folks that are listening. Understand your balance sheet and, and make sure that you keep it clean. Um, and, and the reason I say that is, is that you just never know when you might need to go and like, a, 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 let's just say a deal comes up in the M&A side or, you know, you just, things change and you just want to make sure your balance sheet is super, super clean and that you understand it. Because at the end of the day, it's really easy to make decisions in the short term that have big, has a big impact in the long term. And it's hard to see that in the moment, you know? And so for me, one of the things that I, I think very valuable about understanding my balance sheet is that it pulls me back to the long term and say, okay, does this really make sense for the business? Am I willing to take this risk? Um, and if the answer is, you know, again, in the short term, it's easy to say yes, but when you pull it back to the balance sheet, you're like, mm, I'm if not this sure. Is, so, so you brought up Rollins or any other public company, a, a CFO of a, a big public company is managing this balance sheet. They're managing the debt. They're figuring out cheaper ways to, to raise cash and whatnot. And, and, you know, for obviously a public company, that's a full-time job, but be smart about it. It's not always about, you know, just paying everything back, paying everything back because mm -hmm. tomorrow, you know, uh, I don't think that we're going back to 2008, 2009, but, but back then people were paying back debt and then the banks were closing the credit lines on them and they had no access to capital. Right. That's and right. That and was a problem. I was going to say, and some people, they actually went out of business because of that. They were, yeah. they were, you know, doing the right thing and people can't see my air quotes that I'm doing right now, but I mean, they were doing they the right can. thing. I thought we're on uh, YouTube. Well, that's true. Yes. They could. If yeah. you want to go to YouTube and watch me do air quotes, then you can, but if I mean, you can now, go to YouTube and you can watch Donnie, cause he's obviously recording from a hotel room and I can see his pillow on the left side. So, um, <laughs> well, my point matter. is, is that, you know, you need to make sure that you understand what's happening with your balance sheet and just manage it very well. So anyway, all righty. With that, we're going to close this out. Just a reminder that all the resources and topics we talked about today are available on the podcast website, pnpindustryinsider.com. Take a look under the show notes. And as always, we very much appreciate the comments that people leave, ratings and reviews on our podcast. As I've mentioned before, if they're great, we would love it if you go to Apple or whatever. If they're not, I would love it if you would just email Dan. And with that, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> we're closed out. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. See you.